0: Welcome back to After the Buzzer Sports Talk, and I'm your host, Aiden Mayer. Alright guys, welcome back for another episode. Just going to be me today. Uh, I know Colin joined yesterday, but he won't be joining us today. Uh, Mostly in part because today we are going to be breaking down the Jacob Trouba trade, Trouba, Trouba, however you want to say it. Um, yesterday, there's the big trade with the Winnipeg Jets, uh, sending him away for Neil Pionk and the 20th pick in the NHL draft, which is right around the corner. And we're going to break down that uh, trade to start off the episode. And then the main event is going to be my 60-pick NBA mock draft, including trades. So I wanted to do this a few days ago. Well, I had it—I finished it up Saturday— and conveniently, a few hours after I finished, Anthony Davis got traded, and so I had to switch up the lottery. And also, I want to add a few more trades in, uh, because I said with trades that there are only a few trades, and I want to have like a Mike Conley trade. Yes, he will be traded. in My thing and along uh, with the Celtics, so I, I got a few trades in there for sure. I think at least four or five. Um. But we're going to get to that after we break down the big Jacob Trauba trade from yesterday. So first, we're going to start with that. So let's get to that. So I obviously said it a minute ago, but I'll say it again. Yesterday, the Winnipeg Jets sent defenseman Jacob Trauba off to the New York Rangers for Neil Pionk in the 20th pick in the NHL draft. Big, obviously kind of a blockbuster trade. Trauba was one of the more underrated defensemen in the NHL uh, and I really haven't heard too many people talk about it. Uh, I didn't really listen to any uh, podcast or sports radio today, so I'm not really sure. But I haven't heard uh, many people talking about it from, from what I know. So I figured I'd give you guys the breakdown because I already did it anyway. Um, and I have the, the whole grade too my grade for the trade, and I'm going to break it all down. But first, I figured I'd give you both their stats. Jacob Trauba is 6'3", 202 pounds, 25 years old. Last season, 82 games played, 8 goals, 42 assists, 50 points, uh, plus eight on the plus minus. Uh, three power play goals, 15 power play assists, 18 total power play points, one shorthanded goal, two shorthanded assists, three shorthanded points, one game winning goal on 162 shots, and 4.9% of his shots were goals, and he had 58 penalty minutes. So, pretty solid stat line for a defenseman. Obviously, the big one is plus minus, and kind of how does he do offensively. We're going to break his whole game down in a minute, kind of. And then Neil Pionk is six foot. 186 pounds, 23 years old, so both two young defensemen, but Trauba's two years older, and he's a little bigger and better. But Pionk had played 73 games last season, 6 goals, 20 assists, 26 points, had a plus-minus of negative 16, which is bad, but keep in mind he played for the New York Rangers, and he's only 23. He had 2 power play goals, 11 power play assists, totaling up to 13 power play points, no shorthanded goals, 1 shorthanded assist, uh, which was one shorthanded point And then one game winning goal on 132 shots, 4.5% of his shots were goals and he had 35 penalty minutes. So Jacob Trauba just a little more efficient. Trauba was on the second line for the Jets last year. Keep in mind, he's young. The Jets have a loaded blue line and Dustin Bufflin was playing ahead of him on that first line. So Trauba was kind of in his shadow, but he still played like 23 minutes a game. So obviously he's a very good player. It was just Using in Dustin Bufflin's shadow. Pionk mostly played on the third line. I think he has more second-line potential, but he'll never be a Jacob Trauba. So here's the breakdown for both sides. Uh, first, we'll start with the Rangers. I wrote, the Rangers needed something on their blue line, and they just got it. Jacob Trauba. The Rangers got Trauba at a pretty cheap price considering how young and talented he is. The Rangers have a surplus of picks, so it didn't hurt much to give up number 20. Plus Pionk who looks like he could be a nice second- or third-line defenseman in the future, but nothing great. Then there's Traubo, one of the most underrated defensemen in the game. Traubo bring, brings great size and stability defensively. Obviously, big, big guy, over 200 pounds. What was he, 6'2"? Six, 6'3", six, my bad. The Rangers has, have also one of the worst power play and penalty kill units, and Traubo should help them both. Trauba is very good at moving the puck and can be the point guard in power plays. He brings game offensively, defensively, and in special teams. If they can't sign Trauba long-term, though, that won't make this trade look as good as it does now, but they should still be able to move him at the uh, deadline. Now, their their defense is obviously... First of all, you know that... um, well, you know that the Rangers aren't very good. So they're going to have a lot of holes. But they have the second pick in the draft. And they're probably going to land Capo Caco. Um So, you know, that's why... No, um, oh, my bad. Jesus. Um, that's kind of why they, they're they going to need offensively. Because they're probably not going to spend it on a... Um, spend it on a offensively. My bad. I just keep stumbling. Caco is a right winger that can also play center. He's obviously... um. Uh, he, he just, I just watched this guy play and he just rips it up. Absolute um, beast. I've seen him play kind of a little bit on Sports Center. I won't lie. Going to this NHL draft, I don't know a whole lot of the prospects. This is one of the guys. No, I like you know him, Jack Hughes, and a few other guys. And uh, they're probably going to learn Kako with the second overall pick. So they're not going to get a defenseman there. So that just makes the need for Trouba even bigger. And if Trouba plays well to start the season next season, if it, you know. If, I think he will. If, obviously, he starts the year off and he's really bad, and you're like, maybe we shouldn't sign him long-term, don't. But if he starts the year off well, try to extend him right then and there, because you need him, okay? Now, the thing about the Jets here, well, overall grade for the Rangers, by the way, was an A. Now I have the Jets. I wrote, we all know the Jets had to move him. They were in a cap crunch, and the two sides couldn't r- reach a long-term agreement, so they ha- he had to be traded. But the Jets could have gotten more. I know Trauba is underrated and only has one year left on his deal, but you can not get you can get more. is a nice third-line pairing with second-line potential that isn't afraid to get hits and block shots, but he doesn't bring a whole lot of offense and struggles with the puck. Then, with the 20th pick, they could have taken another defenseman, but the odds of one of them reaching Trauba's level is rare. I mean, it's the 20th pick in the draft. Trauba is someone who has, you know, top-five-pick potential, like, the, the, the talent level he's reached, top 5, top 7. I mean, it's going to be tough to find someone who's going to even reach Trauba's level. He is underrated. I don't want to sound like I'm overrating him. Overall, I gave, gave the Jets a C-. Now, the more that I thought about it, I want to bump it up to a C or a C plus Take it for what it's worth. It's somewhere in that C range. I think C- was a little mean because he's underrated. He's playing on that second line. Uh, you know, he's 25 years old, only one year left. You had to make a move quick. Your back was against the wall. You had to just make one of the first moves, you you know, you got. So it's not like you were going to get the best deal, I guess, for Traubo. It's going to be very hard because you ought to make the deal like that. Um, you're hoping to get a pick. So it's tough, but I, I'd say the Rangers definitely won this deal. Uh, it could go either way because all of a sudden we could sit here uh, and Pionk reaches his second-line potential and all of a sudden is, you know, actually – yeah, he won't reach Trouba's level, but he's still a solid defenseman. And then the twentieth pick ends up being someone who reaches right around Trouba's level. So I don't know, you know. And then Trouba ends up leaving after season with the Rangers. But for now, the Rangers definitely won this deal. The Jets either have a C minus or here, C, or at highest C+. a C plus. I give him C minus. Maybe I want to bump that up to like a C, C plus. I get it. One year deal. The guy's underrated. You know, your back back was against the wall. You're probably not going to get the best deal possible for him. But I think they could have done a little better there. So that's the Jacob Trauba breakdown. Now I'm going to get to my complete 60-pick NBA mock draft. I'm going to get ready to talk a lot. I think this mock draft overall probably would have taken over a 30-minute episode. Like, this is going to, I think, going to take a while. Plus, I have this, like, seven-minute segment right here. But big episode for you guys, obviously. So now I'm going to get to my complete 60-pick NBA mock draft with trades. so let's get to that. All right, so obviously this took me a long time. It's 60 picks, a ton of trades. Not only did I make it once, but then after the Anthony Davis trade, I decided to add a few more trades, and I had to adjust things, so that took me another hour on top of it. This is very, very long, so I hope you guys enjoy. Again, share the podcast just in general. We can keep growing and do stuff like this. This took me a very long time. Um... For you guys, uh, and just for my, my enjoyment as well, I like making mock drafts and before the draft, um, so why not? But first, to kick things off, we have the Pelican drafting at number one, and they are going to take, well, power forward Zion Williams. I wrote, Zion has is the clear choice here. With Anthony Davis basically out of town, Zion has the potential to fill in his shoes and maybe do more than AD. I don't think I have to explain this pick too much. So, I also forgot to mention, I am basically going to explain, like, I have written down the explanation for every lottery pick, and I'll explain every trade a little bit as well, and most of the picks. There might be a few second-rounders that I won't lie. I know most of these prospects. There are a few in here that I don't really know uh, at the end of the draft, but I even know some of these guys at the end of the draft. I, I There's only a few prospects that I don't know, but I'll just say, yeah, they pick this guy. But I'll, I have it written down on paper. 1 through 14, and I'll explain all the trades. Basically, I'll explain almost all the picks, but after, outside of the 14th pick, all those explanations are kind of coming off the top of my head. Then with the second pick, we have the Memphis Grizzlies, and they're going to take point guard John Morant. I wrote, if the Grizzlies decided they were going to hang on to Mike Conley, they should pick RJ Barrett, but since they should, and it's being reported, they will trade Mike Conley, then they should take, Take Ja Morant. Ja is a very explosive point guard with great talent and a very high ceiling. It should be an upgrade over Conley in the long haul. I do believe that. I, Mike Conley's been always been underrated, but Morant's going to make multiple uh, all-star games. Mike Conley had never made one. Mike Conley, I do think, got maybe ripped off a few times. You know, just playing in Memphis, very underrated. But Ja Morant, the odds are, if I had a bet on it, will Ja Morant be right around? Mike Conley's talent level for his career, like, it'll be really close. John Morant will fall short of what Mike Conley's done, or he'll go go above and beyond what Mike Conley's done. I bet he'll go above and beyond. This offseason looks all right for the Grizzlies. You've already got Jaron Jackson Jr., assuming he comes back healthy, and Jonas Valanciunas, who assume you get him back. Um, He did decline, I think, his player option, but uh, they're expected to work it out long term. Not only now are you getting John Morant, but you trade Mike Conley. I do have a trade for them later in this mock draft. You're going to be able to trade Mike Conley, get assets for him too. The Grizzlies are in an all right spot. Then at number three of the New York Knicks, and I have them taking small forward R.J. Barrett. They they have been talks. They do trade this number three pick, but I think they hang on to it. R.J. Barrett wants to go to New York. I think... I don't know. I just don't think they will end up trading it. Uh, and here's what I wrote. Barrett has to be their pick, the pick here. Barrett is by far the best player left on the board, and he even said he wants to play for the Knicks. Plus, since the Knicks kind of need a player at every position, RJ makes sense. Just get the by far best player on the board. No one even compares to RJ Barrett lower, and I get – I get it. I feel like one of these guys, you know, this is how it always works. Some guy, you know, the next 57 picks are going to end up being better than R.J. Barrett, maybe. But this is the clear choice here. I mean, there's no argument. If you're not trading this pick, you're taking R.J. Barrett, assuming he's on the board. And if all of a sudden, you know, for the Knicks, if they keep on to that third pick, if they hold on to that third pick, if R.J. Barrett's available, you take R.J. Barrett. If it's John Morant that's available, you take John Morant. If it's Zion, Zion even falls at number three, you take Zion. The, the big three, John Morant, R.J. Barrett, Zion Williams, whichever one's left at three, if you don't trade that pick, that's who you're taking. And here, trade alert. Yep, we have a trade already. At number four, the Pelicans have been shopping this pick. This is a bold trade, okay? The Celtics, I think the Timberwolves, the Pacers, uh, the, I mean the Bulls, have all been linked to some trade talks with the Pelicans. But one team, the Houston Rockets, will trade for this fourth pick. Yeah, the Rockets, who haven't had a first-round pick since, I think, 2015, are picking fourth overall out of nowhere. Very bold. The Pelicans receive in this trade Clint Capella, and the Rockets receive the fourth pick Solomon Hill and Christian Wood. Uh, By the way, all of these trades I verified through a, um, what's it called? I usually do the ESPN trade machine. Um... But I do something new. It's this trade machine with picks. So you can... um, Basically, I think it's better. Everyone uses the SVN trade machine. That's what I use. But this one's way better. I get to add... You can add picks to the trade, trade exceptions, all of that. And it still, like, verifies the salary cap and whatnot. Um, It's... (sighs) I think it's it's called Trade NBA, and you basically get... It's it's cool. I, I like it, and that's what I started using as soon as I made this mock draft. So this is a bold trade. Very bold trade, because the Rockets really have not been linked. Obviously, earlier today, uh, CP3 announced he does not want to be in Houston. Uh, I believe it is because uh, James Harden uh, blew up his microwave in the State Farm commercial. I think that's why uh, their relationship's kind of ruined. I'm just kidding, but... No, seriously, this is a bold, bold trade. But I think the Pelicans are going to sit there and look at it and say, we get Clint Capella. Is Capella worth his money over these next four years? Probably not. But I look at it, it is a little risky, but here's the thing. We give up the fourth pick and we get rid of Solomon Hill's contract. That's big. They've been wanting to get that contract off the books. Solomon Hill averages like four points per game. And he's not even that great of a defender either. Like They've been looking to get rid of that contract for a while. And you get rid of Christian Wood. I mean, he's more of just a player that probably won't do anything in his career. Just an extra thing to uh, make the salaries work. And then the fourth pick. The fourth pick's obviously valuable, but you're already getting Zion. You already have a lot of assets in general. You don't really need necessarily need the fourth pick. So you decide to swap that out. Straight up, Clint Capella is probably worth the seventh pick in the draft. I'd say Clint Capella equals seventh pick in the draft. His contract and injuries hurt him a little. Overall, his talent, I mean, he's really a guy that he's a rim protector and a rebounder and a pick-and-roll guy that can finish lobs. But he's just good at it, and he's still young. The injuries hurt him. The contract hurts him a little bit. But here's what I wrote. This is a pretty long explanation. Here, the Rockets are going to take Small forward DeAndre Hunter. I wanted to take Darius Garland so bad, but at this point, this is where... As soon as I was, I already put DeAndre Hunter in, and then I heard the news that CP3 wanted out, and I knew they were looking to shop him, but I wasn't exactly sure if he's actually going to get traded. Now he probably will. So then it was also me being a little lazy and not wanting to really change it once again for, like, the third time. Do you blame me? But again, between DeAndre Hunter and Darius Garland already, it's probably going to be neck and neck. And you're probably saying, why would, if Houston's going to take DeAndre Hunter, why wouldn't they rather trade with the Suns or something, or the Bulls, a team where DeAndre Hunter could probably go, you know, fall that far. And my answer to you is they probably won't get a deal done. Let's say the farthest he'll fall is to seven. You have the Bulls. Do you think the Bulls will want Clint Capella? The answer is no. They're not going to want Clint Capella. They have Wendell Carter. It won't make sense. The Bulls won't be interested in giving up that seventh pick for Clint Capella. Then you have the Suns at six. Do you think they want to give up the sixth pick? For Clint Capella. No, they have DeAndre Ayton, and Clint Capella isn't a power forward, nor is DeAndre Ayton. It's just not happening. The Cavaliers at five, do you think they want Clint Capella? There, I actually give you credit. Maybe they do. But I think the overall, though, I think the Cavaliers would have a little bit of interest, but they already have enough... Not-so-great contracts, just to say. I think they want to hold on to that fifth pick, and if anything, want to trade up in the draft. They already have – I don't think Tristan Thompson's contract's that great. Kevin Love contract, not so good either, and they're going to have to pay some guys in the future. Jordan Clarkson, Colin Sexton, Seti Osman. So you just add Clint Clint Capella. I I just don't think those two sides would be able to work out a deal. So, you know, since Clint Capella overall is not worth the fourth-round pick – the Rockets are sitting here. Clint Capella for the fourth overall pick. Whoever's getting the fourth overall pick is probably winning. Now, the thing I say probably is because that player could easily bust. You know, I'm not really sure, you know, too keen on any of these projects. DeAndre Hunter probably won't. He's a safe pick. But Solomon Hill is kind of the price. All right, Clint Capella is a good player, but he's not worth the fourth round pick. So, it kind of even things out Solomon Hill. And then Christian Wood just in there because why not. Here's what I wrote about DeAndre Hunter. Yep, I know this is very, very bold, but I did it anyway. The Pelicans are going to have Zion and Clint now, so Julius Randle all of a sudden may be gone. But I think the Pelicans believe he's a small ball five and Capella would be a better fit. I do agree with that. Julius Randle, I love Julius Randle. I think he's super underrated, great scorer, but he's a small ball five. I think Clint Capella would be a much better fit. Him and Zion would be an absolute nightmare on the boards, rim protection, and Clint Capella is someone who could play pick and roll you know, I don't. Lonzo's not a pick and roll guy, neither is Drew Holiday. But let's say they get a pick and roll guy, whether that's on the bench or it's you know Brandon Ingram might play a little pick and roll. You know who knows? So that way they have something if they want to implement pick and roll with Alvin Gentry, who's still a newer coach, and might may have pick and roll in his game plan. You have Clint Capella. Zion's not a pick and roll type of guy. Uh, two guys I think that would complement each other's games. Again, I, I think Clint Capella some similarities. In a way, they're both pretty athletic, rim protectors, you know, inside-the-paint type of guys, but I think they complement each other pretty well, and I think Clint Capella and Zion Williams is a better fit than Zion and Julius Randle. Maybe a few of you disagree. I just think Zion, as much of a beast as he is, he's a power forward. He'll never be the size of a center, and I don't think he'll be able to dominate the paint as much in the NBA, and Julius Randle's just not really that big. He's a small ball five, so I think they want to get bigger there. And that's what they'll do. Maybe they decide to keep Julius Randle. I think it'll be really hard because you already have drew Holiday's contract. I think one Moore's on like a $7 million contract. You're going to have to pay Zion in the future. You know, Lonzo's definitely going to want some money. Brandon Ingram. So signing Julius Randle all of a sudden may put almost a few of those at jeopardy and you don't really need him at that point. We'll see. It'll definitely spice things up. But that's what kind of my bold prediction. I want to go a little bold. Do I believe this will happen? Hmm. If I'm going to be honest with you, not really. But it's bold and there's definitely a chance. And then the uh, rest that I wrote. Alright, here. Again, this is pretty bold, but it's reported that the two sides may have a little interest. Hunter shows promise to be at least a very solid 3 and D wing and maybe more. I'm not sure how high his ceiling is, maybe a Clay Thompson type all-star, but that's just me. He'd be a good fit on the wing for the Rockets. He gives them versatility at the wing, which they've missed since the departure of Trevor Ariza. Very true. Uh, I wrote that. Proud of myself. Uh, No, but seriously, back when they had Trevor Ariza, he really was a versatile wing that helped. He was like the gear to that defense. I felt like Clint Capella was the anchor, and he was the gear. Uh, Trevor Ariza just—he's got like a seven-foot-one or two wingspan. Um, he's just very versatile, great defender, and they've missed him. They missed him last year defensively. So I think DeAndre Hunter would help them there too. The close, very close second choice here is Darius Garland. First of all, because it would make more sense to pick Garland at four than DeAndre Hunter. Hunter at four is a bit of a reach. As good as Hunter, I I think he's a safe pick. I think he'll be really good. Darius Garland would—it would make more sense to trade up to number four and take Darius Garland than DeAndre Hunter. But here's why I wrote: CP3 reportedly wants out of Houston. He could be a great fit beside, and Darius Garland would be a great fit besides the ball, beside the ball dominant James Harden because he's such a great off-ball shooter and player. They'd just struggle a bit on the defensive end. It's a really tough choice between the two, and it really depends on what they get back for CP3. Or if this Clint Capella trade even happens. Again, here's the thing, though, about it. You're probably saying, oh, you should have picked Darius Garland. The odds that Houston actually this trade actually happens are not that great anyway. So, But no, seriously, between DeAndre Hunter and Darius Garland, it is literally really close. A little bit was because I was just didn't want to change it again. But at the same time, I thought about it. I'm going to change it for a 50-50 thing. I think it's basically a 50-50 draw. Maybe they favor Darius Garland a little. Maybe DeAndre Hunter. We really haven't had reports. The only reports I've heard is they're just aggressive to try to get a second-round pick. They just want something. All of a sudden, I think their opportunity is going to open up for the fourth-round pick. Wow, there's a lot of explaining just for that one pick. Then the Cavaliers at five. I think they're going to take Jarrett Culver. The Cav- and I wrote, the Cavs need a big man here, but there's no one really, quote-unquote, worthy at Num- the number five pick, and they can't find a deal to trade down, so they take Culver. Culver can do a little bit of everything and should be an interestingly good fit in the backcourt with Colin Sexton. Uh, Culver's obviously a bit of a shaky shooter. I do like him, though, because he can do a lot of just everything. He is inconsistent, though, but Sexton brings great shooting anyway. So I think Culver's a guy who... You know, and you even have Clarkson. If you need to put Culver at small forward or off the bench at first, you can do that. Because Culver can also play small forward, and I know you have steady off, but you have all these sort of options now. And Clarkson can come off if you need a shooting, but I don't think you do. I think Colin Sexton gives you enough shooting in that backcourt where Culver may be inconsistent, but. Ooh, excuse me. that I think that'll be all right. With, you know, with the way Sexton has been shooting. That will be all right, and I think Culver will be able to develop as a player due to that, and I think he'd be a solid fit. Interesting, but solid fit. Then the Suns at number six. They're going to take point guard Darius Garland. Got a little lucky. Houston did not take him at number four, or the Bulls didn't trade up, so this is definitely some luck for the Suns, finally. I know that franchise. just oof. But I wrote, it's no secret the Suns need a point guard, and Dar- Garland is their guy. Garland was hurt basically all of last season, but we see- still see seen enough to know he's a lottery talent. The two point guards worthy of being picked this high that are left are Garland and White, and Garland's a much better fit. Booker has the ball in his hands a good amount, and Garland is a point guard who can play off-ball and shoot well off the ball. Him and Booker would be a great fit, except on the defensive end. Offensively, that will be a great, great fit. Two young players. Booker, again, you see these shooting guards who are pretty ball-dominant. James Harden, the Victor Depots, you know, I even throw... Uh, what's it, Devin Booker, you know, these kind of guys who are shooting guards, but they're more, you know, kind of bring the ball up a good amount. And he could kind of be like, it, it would remind me somewhat of uh, Darius, uh, of not Darius Garland, uh, Darren Collison and Victor Oladipo. It wouldn't, it's not perfect, but Victor Oladipo is more of a shooting guard who likes to have the ball in his hands, and Collison's more of an off-ball point guard. The thing I don't say James Harden in CP3 is because CP3 – Kind of needs the ball in his hands to do stuff. He's not really a, a terrific shooter, and he's more of a facilitating so point guard. So he needs the ball. But Darius, besides the um, defense, Carlson's a solid defender. Um, Garland and Carlson offensively, Oladipo and Booker. It kind of makes sense. Similar backcourt style where well, the point guard's more of the shooter and the shoot, off-ball shooter, and the shooting guard's more of the yeah. You get the point. Then in the Bulls at number seven take guard Kobe White. I mean, with Garland, here's what I wrote. With Morant and Garland off the board, and the Bulls targeting a point guard, their choice is clear: Kobe White. If they do want like a Cam, if they want a small forward, then they take like a Nassar Little or a Cam Reddish. But if they if they favor a point guard or guard or a point guard over a forward, Kobe White's the guy. There's no doubt. White, I think. All right, here's what I wrote. I, I'll explain it later because I wrote it right in here, so I don't want to uh, repeat myself. He does need to become a better playmaker, but is still an unselfish passer and a great scorer. I don't think he's as good of a fit with the Bulls as everyone says, but I still think they'll take him at seven. I do think the fit is overrated. Him and Zach Levine, people are saying, oh, they'll be a great fit. I do think the Bulls will take him at number seven. I don't think they'll be a horrible fit, but I think there people are overrating it. What makes Levine and Kobe White such a perfect fit? Both of them are not very good defenders. Um, I get it. The scoring would complement pretty well to Zach Levine. I mean, Zach Levine scores a good amount, but you need, I think you do not need a guard, but need a guard that can at least score a good amount. And Kobe White can do that. But Zach Levine isn't really a playmaker and Kobe White tries to be a playmaker and has succeeded at times in North Carolina with high assist numbers, but his playmaking still needs major improvement. So, the thing that scares me a little bit, is he going to be rushed into a playmaking role? Because I don't. I think you need to ease your way in. I think Kobe White needs, yes, you're going to bring the ball up at times. I wanted to see him play a little off ball uh, just so we, the playmaking duties aren't heavily on him. And he's not a lot of turnovers and he gets flustered and his confidence goes down. I don't want to see that. Then at number 8, I have the Hawks taking small forward Cameron Redd- uh, Cam Reddish. Cameron Reddish, whatever you want to say. I wrote, Reddish is a bit of a wild card and many people have mixed emotions on him. Some people think Reddish isn't, really isn't a great defensive player and that his stats don't match up with his actual defensive skills like James Harden and that his three ball is overrated, which it is a little, a little bit. His numbers were not that great last year. Uh, I believe he will be a solid defender and usually shoot around 37% from three and be a solid three and due wing despite his four three-point shooting, poor three-point shooting college. He only shot about 34 or 32% in college, and I expect him to shoot 37%. i would say more 36% three from three, but I really just think it's Cam Reddish's motor that's killing him. Uh, all right, and the rest they wrote was the Hawks could use this, especially with Torian Prince being traded in the Allen Crabb trade. So they kind of need that potential 3 and wing The thing that's scary about Cam Reddish is he doesn't have a motor. He doesn't have the drive to really work at it. You know, people consider him a 3 and wing but his defensive game might totally flop in the NBA, and his three-point shooting was super disappointing last year. And although he's clutched last year... He was clutched last year, and overall he just doesn't have much of a two-point game either. I've heard so many – like Thomas uh, Stapleton says, I don't think he has a horrible you know, two-point game, but I don't think he'll be a good defender or a three-point shooter. I think his defense or his three-point shooting, at least one or two, will work out. I think his three-point shooting will improve. But he doesn't have much of a three-point game. The thing that frustrated me so much um, at the beginning when I was trying to learn who Cam Reddish was – the beginning of the year, I don't know any of these college players were straight out of high school, or, you know, if it's, you know, I don't know a lot about them, so when I was trying to learn more about Cam Reddish, I heard so many opinions. Some people were so high on him, and, you know, some people, you know, didn't really like him but said he had a good two-point game. Like Thomas says he has a all right two-point game, but his defense will just flop and his – you know, his three-point shooting is not that good. And I've heard some people say he has no two-point game. At the beginning, no no two-point game. But his defense is very good and his three-point shooting won't will, will improve. That's kind of what I'm thinking. You know, the more I studied into it. But it, it was just really confusing. But that's what I believe. His three-point shooting won't improve. He, he won't play as good defensively as his stats show, but he'll still be a solid defender. At, at least the capable defender But I don't know about his two-point game. I really don't. So at number nine, I have the Wizards taking small forward Nasir Little. I wrote, the Wizards go with Nasir Little here. Little had a very disappointing year at North Carolina this past season, but he still shows potential to be a DPOY candidate in his career despite his poor offensive numbers. Little brings great length and can cover positions two through four and even some point guard. Little, awesome, awesome defender. The things that have to scare you about Nasir Little is his offensive game. He brings great versatility defensively and can cover most positions. I think, at first I said bust, bust, bust. The more I read into him, maybe he won't bust because this guy is going to play at least good defense. He may end up being like a Marcus Smart. A guy who's picked high in the draft. like Marcus Smart just want to come off the top of my head, and mostly for you guys, because I know some of you may be listening and you're like a Celtics fan, don't know much about the draft, so I figured I'll give you an analogy here. Marcus Smart, a guy who comes into the league, you know, is more of just a defender, not really a great player on offense. Now, the reason this isn't a uh, fantastic analogy is because Marcus Mark's really only someone who's going to cover the guard position. Well, Mr. Little is much more versatile and can cover pretty much any position except for center. And, you know, some point guards he might struggle against a little bit. But that's not a great analogy, but that's as close as I can think of. More of just a player who, again, I think Marcus might actually be better um, offensively than Nasir, Nasir Little, because I think Little I, Little didn't even average... I don't even think Little averaged as many points in college as Marcus Smart did in the NBA. So I, I, I'm going to have to pull up uh, these stats real quick for you. But, I mean, just two guys. Like, Smart, is Smart known for his offense? No, not really. Is Smart some horrendous defender? No. 9.8 points for Nasir Little in college, I mind you. And Marcus Smart averaged this season... Um 8.9 points. And this season before he had 10.2, 10.6. So smart kind of took a little bit of a dip this year. Like most players did, thanks to Kyrie Irving. But that's the topic for another day. But that's kind of a little some sort of thing. He's a versatile defender, just needs to really prove himself offensively. But that's the reason I'm not really sure he will bust because. Players that really only are good defensively still have a position in today's NBA. If you're a great defender but don't do a whole lot offensively, you're still going to get paid, get minutes, and get a a job in the NBA. And you might not go down as a bust. People know what they're getting with Nasir Little. They know they're getting a very good, versatile defender that needs to work offensively on his game. Then at number 10, we have the Hawks taking center Jackson Hayes. And I wrote, Hayes has to be the pick here. They could take Bol but I think they're going to take Hayes instead. Whether it's Hayes or Bol the Hawks need a center for the future. Especially after they took Reddish at number 8. I like Hayes. I think there's definitely boss potential you know, I think Bobola has a higher ceiling and a lower floor, but Hayes Hayes is a bit of a risk himself. You know, he's still a little bit of an unknown. He needs to improve in areas in this game, but Hayes looks like a solid pick, a lottery talent. Excuse me. And overall, I think this is definitely who they're going to take, and I think many people think Jackson Hayes will go 8 or 10 to the Atlanta Hawks. Then at number 11, we have the Timberwolves, and I think they're going to take power forward Ryu Hachimara. Mura, Mara, whatever you want to say, Eddie Gonzaga, one of the more underrated players in this draft. Uh, and here's what I wrote. I've been predicting this from the beginning. The T-Wolves to take Hatchamara at 11, even since he's been quietly been sliding down draft boards because he's underrated. Sarge isn't a bad option for the future, but I don't think the Timberwolves are sold on him and Hachimara would be a nice fit. They also have Taj Gibson, the coach's dream, as most of us call him, but he's not going to be a piece for your future. And Sarge, who they got in the Jimmy Butler trade, they just don't seem sold on. I, I don't know if that's just me, but they don't seem sold on Sarge. I think they want a point guard here or a power forward. And once Garland, if you are a lottery team, if you are a lottery team around this area, the Timberwolves don't, you can't expect to take a point guard. Because I then, John Morant, Kobe White, and Darius Garland are going to be off the board, and there's no point guard worthy of going by then. So if they're aiming for a power forward or a point guard, they're going to take a power forward, and I think tomorrow would be a good fit, a solid fit. But I just, I've been predicting this since day one, and I'm going to keep predicting it. Then at number 12, we have the Charlotte Hornets, and I think they're going to take forward Sekou Domboya. Uh, here's what I wrote. Domboya is, is a pretty unknown prospect, but if there's one thing to know, he's a defensive beast. Plus, he's only 17. He does have some attitude problems if the game isn't going his way, and his offensive numbers aren't very good at all. But remember, he was playing in a pretty tough league at only 17. He was playing with, like... 20-something years old, like, he was playing with, like, adults, and he was only 17 overseas. His league is a bit of a question mark. If you ask me, is his league tougher or easier than the NCAA? I couldn't give you an actual answer, but my educated—you know, I have somewhat of an educated guess that it's tougher because he was only 17, keep in mind. Some kids are still in high school when they're 17, he's playing with adults. Most college players— are, you know, at the college age playing against college kids. He was at the high school age playing against adults. So, most overseas leagues are also tougher than the NCAA. Sorry, I just keep drinking water. This is just a lot of talking. Um, and my mouth is getting dry, so excuse me for that. Dumboya again, I just think he'll bust personally. The kid's got attitude problems. I think he'd have to be picked in the right system. And Charlotte is a horrible franchise. But I think they're going to take him because they're idiots. And they shouldn't take him. I think most people think the Heat would be a good landing spot for him. The Heat are come one pick away. And DeBoya was one pick away from landing in an actual... I Miami isn't a great franchise. They're a bit of a dumpster fire right now. But it would be a solid fit for him. DeBoya needs to go to a place where he's going to be able to develop... Uh, you know he's not going to be a guy that comes right out of the gate play, and is playing. He's going to it's going to take some time, some years in the G League, some summer league play. The kid's got some potential though. I'm not saying he definitely bust, but again, for me, it's tough to predict bust. So if I had to predict one right here, there's one. Speaking of busts, I think the Heat will take shooting guard Romeo Langford at number 13. Langford would be an intriguing fit here. He's a big shooting guard, standing at six foot six, and his offensive game comes from driving to the hoop. He's got f- great physical tools, and he's very quick, too. I think he's probably going to bust, though. Uh, he slid down draft boards uh, with Indiana. He didn't do that great in Indiana. It was his team, too. I'm just not a huge fan of Romeo Langford. kind of like Sukoud Sucu- Dumboya, however you want to say that. I think the Heat are targeting Dumboya at 13. think they'll get him, but I think the Hornets snatch him right for- from him, and they're going to have to settle for Romeo Lankford who uh, stays in the lottery despite him sliding down draft boards late. Then at Celtics, 14, I have the Celtics taking power for Brandon Clark. I so hope this happens. Love Brandon Clark. Here's what I wrote. I love Brandon Clark. That's how I started off, just as I said. And I wrote, I and I think he's a great fit for the Celtics. He can play small ball five, although I don't think the Celtics will play him there because they like the centers to be able to pick and pop. And Clark doesn't have a three ball. Clark does have a solid offensive game in the paint, and but he's a Defensive beast. Brad Stevens loves great defensive players. Uh, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, uh, just to name a few draft picks that have been Al Horford, and it, his system you know runs more through defense than it does offense. At least it has in the past. And I just think he's gonna. He, he they really like Brandon Clark. I think he'd be a great fit. Uh, this is also kind of me just hoping because I haven't heard a ton of reports that they're gonna pick Brandon Clark. I have heard some reports they're interested in him if he lands the fourteen. Honestly, the only team I see taking Brandon Clark in the lottery ahead of the Celtics would be the Hornets or maybe the Timberwolves. The Timberwolves are a big maybe, and the Hornets is a good chance they might take Brandon Clark. I heard they're interested, and I'm scared. I really hope they don't, because that would be a good pick. I think Brandon Clark's really going to work out. He's one of the best defensive players in the draft class. Also bring solid offensive game. Again, sorry about that. But no, I seriously, I just love this kid. All right, here's where I kind of come off uh, up with these explanations at the top of my head, and things start to get a little quicker. Things are gonna move a little smoother. We're already at like 38 minutes here, so yeah, we gotta, we still got a bit to go, but things are gonna speed up. Pistons at number 15. They're gonna take shooting guard Kevin Porter Jr., a nice all around player for them. They need uh, small forwards and shooting guards. I like Luke Kennard, but they just they need more. Bruce Brown isn't gonna cut it. Uh, Magic at number 16, they're going to take guard Nikhil Walker-Alexander. People believe this kid is going to bust. A lot of people believe he's going to bust. I've seen some uh, pretty good things from him. Again, I'm taking too many sips of water. Jeez, I'm just going to throw it over there. Um, But I I do think they're going to aim for a guard here, seriously. Um, someone who can potentially handle the ball. I think he'd be a nice little fit for them. Then at number 17, the Hawks are going to take small forward Cameron Johnson. It makes sense to take a shooter. This team loves shooting Kevin Hearder Jr. Uh, Kevin Hearder, Torian Prince, is now gone, uh, but you got him. Dwayne Dedman is even a shooting five, and you know, it's just kind of a stretch big. That can also rebound. He's kind of both. And Trey Young, this team likes shooting, and without Torian Prince all of a sudden now – it's going to be tough to rely on Cameron Reddish for that three-point shooting because Reddish only shot like 32% from three in college. How do you think that's going to translate to the NBA right away? And Cameron Johnson's a great shooter. So maybe, hopefully, Cameron Reddish can bring you some defense and it, at least bring you the defensive aspect. And Cameron Johnson will bring you the shooting because with Reddish, you just really don't know. And then the Pacers at 18, I think they'll take shooting guard Taylor Horton Tucker. I've been preaching this for a while. I just, I just believe... Uh, he'd he'd mesh into that system. I know he's a shooting guard, but Victor Oladipo, you're not certain on how he's going to return, and Horton Tucker can also play small forward, so if they lose Boyan Bogdanovich, that could be a nice little replacement for them Uh, and, and give them some shooting on the wing there and some good defense. Uh, then at number 19, I have the Spurs taking PJ Washington. I've heard they're very interested in Bobo. They should really be interested in a big man. But I think they're gonna go with PJ Washington. I just have this this thing. They only have Jakub Pertl. I like Pertl a little more than any everybody else does. I don't know why. I just rationally like him. Uh but I think they're gonna take PJ Washington over Bobo here. PJ Washington is a small power forward. So this guy's no chance he's gonna play center. He's a small enough power forward. He's only 6'8. Six foot eight reminds me of like a Paul Millsap. Um, but I I think Bobo would be the right pick there. But I have this feeling they're take PJ Washington, who is higher. You know, he overall in people's big boards he's around the fourteenth prospect to like sixteen or seventeen. So him falling to 19 is big enough. Then that's number 20, the Celtics take Bobo. Most of the reason I didn't pick the Spurs also take Bobo is because I wanted the Celtics to take Bobo. I think with them taking Brandon Clark, they're going to go with another big man here. There's still no point guard to me worthy of getting picked here at 20. Bobo is well worth the risk at number 20. Sure, he's dealing with a lot of injuries, still a big unknown, but the guy has defensive potential because he's just a beast with a long wingspan and he moves pretty fluidly and he can shoot the ball really well, which Al, uh, uh, Brad Stevens loves, big men who can shoot, they can pop like Al Horford, and I just think the guy shows a ton of potential, he is a big risk as well, he's he's a little too skinny, very injury prone, but I mean, if you can work with Bulbul and, you know, get to figure out his game a little more, work on his footwork you know, work on his, you know, defensive game because he has the potential. So work with him to get to that potential and also go to the weight room so he's a little less skinny and uh, make him a little less injury-prone. You can't really make a guy less injury-prone, but if he's skinny, he can uh, help him hit the weight room, and that will definitely help. Then at number 21, I have the Thunder taking Matissi Theibel. A great 3 and D wing, very underrated, um... And I've heard reports that the Thunder are interested in this guy, so if uh, if he's not going 21, I have him going 24 to the Sixers, but I do think the uh, Thunder will take him because a 3 and D wing is exactly what they need. Uh, Outside of Paul George and Russell Westbrook, there's not a whole lot of depth there, and I think Theibel gives you that depth. He gives you three-point shooting, which you need, and he gives you some defense on the wing, which you need. Trade alert, trade alert. Uh, Celtics are going to give up. Uh, their 22nd pick to the Kings for the 2021 first-round pick. A little risky for the Kings. Um, excuse me. A little risky for the Kings here. But it's, I think it's a risk worth taking. That 2021 first-round pick. At this rate, the Kings will be a playoff team by then. We can assume. If De'Aaron Fox goes down with some injury and Buddy Heald's having it off here, something like that. Then all of a sudden, this is a little risky for the Kings because you know if those guys suffer an injury or all of a sudden things don't go according to plan, this might this you know trade could haunt you. And it just looks to be you know you hope this is just a safe trade because I think the Kings what they're going to try to do here is take a a big man. The Kings don't have a first round pick. Uh, I don't know when the Kings actually pick. Uh, They their their first pick is the fortieth pick, and by then they want one of these uh, big men. They want one of the big men, and the Celtics are shopping their first one of their first three first-round picks. They have the second-round pick, but they're probably just going to assume that that guy isn't a rookie. The Celtics don't want three rookies. At most, they want to. They only want one or two. They're looking to trade one, if not two, of these first-round picks. They've been interested in trading up to four. I just don't think they'll do it. So I, They're going to get rid of one of these picks. I know it, so I think they're going to find a deal with the Kings. And, you know, hope the Kings don't do very good. The two have made trades in the past. Uh, Clearly, you know, there's trust between the two also. So I think it's a little more risky for the Kings than the Celtics, but the Kings are willing to take the risk to take center Bruno Fernando from Maryland. Uh, Bruno Fernando was a bit of a beast in college, and I think he's a great center. With Willie Cauley Stein as your, uh, you know, Willie Cauley Stein, not only is hitting the market this year, but at best he's an average center. At best, he all he does is hold up the fort. So I think they want Bruno Fernando because if they sign Willie Cauley Stein back or not, they need a center. It's probably their biggest need. Willie Cauley Stein or not, they need a center. I'm gonna do more explaining because we got another trade. Uh, this is a big one. The Jazz are trading Dante Exum point guard Dante Exum shooting guard Kyle Korver small forward Thabo Sefolosha and power forward Jay Crowder basically a whole unit there, along with the 23rd pick in it, their 2021 second round pick for Mike Conley and point guard Javon Carter. Big trade here. Mike Conley has been talked, you know, with the Grizzlies taking John Morant. And from the reports we heard, it's clear they're gonna shot Mike Conley. Mike Conley will be a grizzly forever, but it they, they there's just they need to make that trade. It, it's it's clear. But what are, what do they have to give up? I think they're gonna give up Dante Exum. First of all, Exum is a guy who is right now hurt. He's an unproven young player. Plus, you have John Moran. So Dante Exum, you're kind of scratching your head. Why do you need Dante Exum, you ask? First of all, they don't need him, but I think he'd be a solid fit and a guy who can run your second unit. I think he could potentially be a nice sixth man. I don't think he'll ever be a starter, but he could be a sixth man for you and run your second unit behind John Morant pretty well, and give you a, you know some more youth. I know he's hurt right now. I know so far in his career he hasn't done you know, he hasn't lived up to his full ceiling, but he hasn't exactly busted either. Then you have Kyle Korver and Thabo Sefolosha. I'm gonna put these two in a package. Both of them. So Flosch is getting 5 mil a year, Corver's getting 7 mil a year. Both of them are not worth that money, but here's the catch. They're both good veteran leaders, especially Kyle Corver. They might not be worth their money, but first of all, the only reason they are in this deal to start with is to make this deal even valid because Dante Exum and Jay Crowder, who's the next piece, doesn't match uh, Javon Carter and Mike Conley or just Mike Conley itself. So you gotta add these two contracts to just make it valid in the first place. And that's all right because the Grizzlies don't exactly need all that money. They can take on a few bad contracts. This isn't even a horrible contract overall. You know, I'm sure you're not thrilled with it, but it's it's all right. Just to make the deal work. But they'd be great veteran leaders. I think they could you know help help these young guys out a lot. Help these young guys develop. And Kyle Korver even get gives John Morant a little shooting. I think Kyle Korver would even help you on the court a little. I could see him starting every once in a while, going out there at times with John Morant. I don't see him playing a lot, but when he does, he'll help spread the floor for John Morant. So he'd even help him out a little bit in that sense. And then Jay Crowder, power forward slash mouth forward. You know, I'll just put a forward. Um, he, he, Jay Crowder, he's on a good contract. He didn't play great with Utah, as good as he did in Boston. But Jay Crowder is someone who needs to up his three-point percentage, but he can still give you around 12 a night. He can still spread the floor for you a little bit, and he's still a solid defender. And he brings you something, and if he's your starting uh, small forward, I think that that's all right. They need something there, whether they want to go with him or Kyle Anderson. He gives you either a, he's your, either your new starting power forward if Jaron Jackson Jr. isn't ready, or your starting small forward, whatever you want to do, or he gives you depth. And then the 23rd pick and the 2021 second-round pick. And with this 23rd pick, I think the Grizzlies will go with shooting guard, Kelvin Johnson. He can also play small forward, so whether it's shooting guard or small forward, they need it. Um, Overall, I don't think uh, uh, Kelvin Johnson at shooting guard pairs very well with John Morant. I think Morant uh, goes steel hunting a little bit and is not that good of a defender, so Kelvin Johnson's a good defender. So overall, backcourt-wise, that would pair well. Kelvin Johnson would help pick up the slack a little bit for John Morant. John Morant isn't a horrible defender, but he goes steel hunting a little bit. I think he might get in a little bit of foul trouble when Kelvin Johnson would help him back there. And Kelvin J- johnsons you know, he's, he's a fighter. You know, he's a hustler. He's a humble, very humble guy, which fits with Memphis. And he'd help them defensively in the backcourt, whether you play small forward or uh, shooting guard. And I just think... Overall, he doesn't bring you three-point shooting, which is the only thing I think you want your shooting guard to be a good three-point shooter because Morant is not great at that, but he brings you the defense. He brings you the hustle, the intensity. He may help you become a little bit more of a winning franchise, uh, in a sense. Just a very low ego. He's small ego. Basically, no ego at all. and just goes out there, he's humble, does his job, fights. He's a very respected player. Then a number 24, 76ers take shooting guard Tyler Hero. Uh, Thomas Sapleton, from the tip off, loves this guy. I'm alright with him. He he's more of a ball dominant shooting guard, takes a little too many shots. He did in that Kentucky uh when Kentucky um almost lost. When they lost did they lose? Uh, I think they almost did to um uh, to what what's his name? Um I don't know what's what's his name? Fletcher McGee. That's when they almost lost there, or they they lost. I think they almost lost. It was a close game. He just takes way too many shots. But I think he'd help run your second unit. You have to remember, the biggest thing with 76ers right now is depth. They need depth. I think Tyler Hero could be a guy who could really help you run that second unit. Then at number 25, the Portland Trailblazers are going to take Daniel Gafford. I think with Yusuf Nurkic going down with an injury and Enes Kantor's future with the team up for grabs, he was only on a one-year rental, you need a guy like Gafford. I think Gafford would be a good fit. You might want to take a wing here instead, but I think Gafford would just be a good fit, and he'd help fill in, you know, if Yusuf Nurkic, he's not going to be back next year, you're relying on Ennis Kanter to come back, and that's not even a guarantee either. I do believe Ennis Kanter will come back. He said he wants to return, so I do think he will, but Gafford could be a nice backup for them. Then at number 26, the Cavaliers are going to take power forward Grant Williams out of Tennessee. Yeah, I mean, he's he's you know the expectations were pretty high for him, and obviously he didn't hit them, hit as high, but he still had a good year. And I think he'd be a nice fit with the Cavs. I do think they need a big man right now. Uh, They Kevin Love and Tristan Thompson. You know, Kevin Love's in his thirties. He's constantly injured, and I think they're looking to trade him. Someone wants to take on that contract. I think the Cavaliers would be pleased. I I hated that extension from the beginning. I said that's going to haunt him for a while. Then, um... What's his name? Tristan Thompson's getting older as well. He's not really that good. You need a big man, so I think Grant Williams is the guy they're going to roll the dice on here. Then at number 27, the Nets are going to take small forward, Casey Paula, My guy, love Akpala. He's a versatile guy with tools to be a good defender. He still needs to improve defensively, but I think he'll do just fine. He's versatile. He has all the tools. Then offensively, I mean, this guy just needs to hit the weight room, get a little stronger, but he's quick. He can take it to the hole, finish at the hoop. He could do it a little better, but he still gets points at the who hoop really improved his three-point shooting. You know, he he worked at the gym to really help that three-point shooting, so that's a plus as well. I love Casey Akpola. Nets are making a very good move here. Then at number 28, I think the Warriors will take Lucas Samanic. I was such a strong believer. Yes, Bruno, Fernando, that's who they're going to take, and I thought they're going to take Fernando all the way. But since the Kings made that trade, I think Fernando was going to slide all the way down to 28, but... Not only do they have Kevin Looney and, you know, Boogie might come back, but I have Fernando going 22 to the king, so I think they're going to take Lucas Samanic, the power forward here. Then at number 29, the Spurs take center Goga Bidazzi. Bidazzi, that's how I pronounce it. With P- They should have taken Bobo earlier, but instead they wanted to take P.J. Washington, but that's all right because now they get Goga Bidazzi. Very underrated center. I think this guy is super underrated. And for him to be at 29, he is great value at pick 29. I think this guy will be a solid pro, and it's just, you know, I think the Spurs, now that he's getting picked by the Spurs as well and Popovich's system, things look good for this kid and the Spurs. Then for the last pick in the first round, the Bucks take center Nazarene Reed. A lot of centers here getting taken, a lot of big men. Naz Reed slides into the first round. I don't really think he's worth the first round pick, but I do think the Bucs are going to be targeting a true center. Brooke Lopez hits the market this season, and the Bucks really have every position full. They're a very deep team, but if there's one thing they need is center, because with Brooke Lopez hitting the market, not only do they not really have a center, but Brooke Lopez isn't even a true center in his own right. He's more of a stretch big, so I think they're going to want to take Naz Reed, and you know, they just want a center anyway. Whether Brooke Lopez is coming back or not, I think they want someone to back him up or just be a true center if they really end up needing one. Then we move over to the second round. With the 31st pick, I think the Nets will take shooting guard Luguinst Dort. Uh, Nice defender here. You know, he's short, but he's strong, physical, good defender, and I think that's who the Nets will take. Should pair well with Kyrie if he's ever on the court with him. They have a loaded backcourt, but they're going to add one more piece to it. Then number 32, I have the Suns taking power forward, or Pascal. Pascal, I should like Pascal, but Pascal, the Suns. Took Darius Garland earlier, so they got the point guard. They got the check mark there. They got check mark at shooting guard. They got checkmark at center. They need wingers. I like TJ Warren, but, you know, he's a good scorer. But, again, he's a good scorer in the Suns. He's more of like an Evan Fournier where maybe on a real team he scores less and he's not a good defender at all. They just have a lot of unproven young wings, so I think they want to add one more unproven young forward, you know, to see maybe, you know, add him to the mix and just keep, you know, Cause here's the thing, it's it's like like kinda like the lottery, I guess, with all these guys. They're just adding more and more unproven young wings. We're not sure he's gonna work, but we'll try it. You know, we're not we're sure he'll work, but we'll try it. And I think they're just gonna keep kinda adding those guys, I guess. It, you know, just to say um to say the least. Then at 33, the 76ers will take point guard Ty Jerome. Uh, Jerome is a guy who can run your second unit. I know we have Tyler Hero, and I don't think Hero and Jerome is a very good mix. And they may have to choose between the two in the future, but that's totally fine. Because the Sixers have a ton of picks in this draft, and I think they're going to go with Ty Jerome, Tyler Hero, let the two develop, play in summer league, maybe play off the bench for the Sixers a little bit, and then when it's time, You know, to separate the two, they're going to analyze who do we want to keep because I don't think those two will be a good fit at all. But because the odds of both of them working out aren't that great, I think the Sixers will roll the dice with both. Hope at least one of them works out, and if both of them work out, they'll analyze their options and trade one of them later. Then at number 34, the 76ers have another pick. That's what I'm talking about. I think they'll take power forward Nicholas Claxton. He hasn't been talked about a lot. He's pretty underrated. A few people see him going in the first round to the Cavs, but other than that, He's probably going in the second round, but the Cavs took Grant Williams instead, so he'll fall to 34 to the Sixers here. Then we have a trade alert: the Magic give up. Well, the Ma- the Hawks give up their 35th pick to the Magic for. Well, oh, they give up the 35th pick to the Magic for the Magic's future second-round pick. Uh, this trade makes sense for the Hawks just because the Hawks don't need all these picks. The Hawks have most the most picks in this draft, so they decide we're going to give up one. The uh, Magic also come calling around this time because early in the second round, they want to make a trade because they want to draft Carson Edwards point guard. This guy, uh, you know, did was great in March Madness out of Purdue. You know, he went up to the first round, some mock drafts. And then once, you know, March Madness cooled off, he dipped right back down. I think he's going to slide down to 35. He's well worth the risk for the Magic. They're giving a future second round pick to get this guy. It's well worth it. Carson Edwards, you know, he he, you know, I'm not sure if his game will translate, but I think he's well worth the risk here. It's not much of a risk. It's just the 35th pick. And overall, this is I just think he'd be a good fit with the Magic. I think he could get shots with the Magic and touches. You have to remember Fultz is still banged up. Um, and and they really don't have a point guard at this point, so the point guard job's up for grabs, especially with Fultz still hurt, so Edwards could shine pretty early and get to shoot a lot in Orlando, which he likes to do. Then at number 36, I think the Hornets will take power forward, Jonte Porter, brother to Michael Porter, and the thing that's similarity between both of them, not only do they both go to Missouri, but they both deal with injuries. Jonte Porter, really the big thing is injuries. He's a first-round talent. Right outside the lottery type of talent. The guy is a poor man's Nikola Jokic. This guy is basically a point guard in a big man's body. And I think that's something that might interest the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, Especially, you know, you don't know with Kemba Walker. And I think Jonte Porter would be a good fit, especially if Kemba does leave. Kemba stays. Jonte's probably going to need some time to develop and recover from his injury anyway. So... I think he'll go at 36. And at 37, the Mavericks will take power forward and slash center, Chuma Okeke. Out of Auburn, this guy has shown potential to be a very good big man. He did good in March Madness till that ACL injury. Obviously, you have the injury to uh, Chris Staffs too, but Okeki can be your backup power forward. He can be even your starting center because outside of Chris Stapps, the Mavericks don't really have a big man. I don't really count Dwight Powell or Maxi Kleber, really someone that I really like to be, you know, my starting center or – You know, starting power forward for the meantime. So I think Chumo Keki would be a good pick and fit here. Then at number 38, uh, we have the Bulls. And the Bulls will take Isaiah Roby. Um... I just think they need a small forward here. Uh, after they take Kobe White, they also have Chris Dunn. They're gonna have some options with him. Do they want to trade him? Keep him? as their six man. You also have Ryan R. D. C. Iacono, who I think can play shooting guard for you, regardless. But since they've already taken their, you know, their point guard, I would suggest maybe a center. You do have Robin Lopez and Wendell Carter Jr., but you know, Robin Lopez isn't really an answer for the future, and Wendell Carter's been banged up, but I take Isaiah Roby because you do have uh, Otto Porter Jr. But I'm not sure the Bulls are, you know, completely sold on Otto. I do like Otto Porter Jr. despite his contract. I do think he's a solid fit, but I think we're gonna take Isaiah Roby for a little bit of depth at small forward, and because I think small forward's their biggest need at this point. Then we have yet again another trade alert. I do believe this is the last trade of the mock draft, but I predict. The New Orleans Pelicans will give up their 39th pick to the Charlotte Hornets for the Hornets 2021 second round pick, which belongs to the Los Angeles Clippers. Um, I do think this trade would really happen because the Pelicans have had their fair share of picks. They're clearly shopping picks. Uh, they already shopped the fourth pick, but I think they're gonna shop another one mostly because the Hornets come knocking at their door. The Hornets are gonna take point guard Shamir Pons here. They do have Devontae Graham, and I do think odds are Kemba Walker does stays, but Kemba Walker is he's really your 50-50 toss-up, and Devontae Graham is someone who I, I like him, but I'm not sure he's your point guard for the future. So I think they want to also add some more players to that point guard list and take Shamir Pons. I I like Shamir Pons a lot. I'm not sure how his game will translate or it'll be a solid pro or not, but I think he, the Hornets like him. I think the Hornets will want him and are willing to give up a future first round, uh, second round pick for him. Now it is due to is the Clippers, and at this point, the Clippers look like they have a pretty right future, so that pick is probably going to be later than 39 anyway. And the Pelicans probably know that, but they just probably want some assets right now off their hands, especially after that overload they just got. Good pick for the Hornets here. Good trade. Then at the Kings at number 40 take small forward Dylan Windler. I think he's very underrated. Good shooter. Then at number 41, the Hawks take power forward slash center Jalen McDaniels. Add a big man uh, behind John Collins and um, Jackson Hayes. Then, 42, the 76ers take forward Dietrich Lawson. Disappointing Kansas season, but I still think Lawson will get drafted. Then, at number 43 of the Timberwolves, taking shooting are Terrence Davis. This guy can shoot. I'll tell you, this guy can shoot real well. He can shoot and contest. He, he, his strong suit is uh, shooting. I also think he's a nice little defender uh, and good fit for the Timberwolves get them a little bit of shooting. Then at number 44, you have the Hawks taking power forward Darius Baisley, who's in the G League currently, and the Hawks are going to pick him up and add more depth at the big man position. Then at number 45, the Pistons take point guard Jalen Leque, le- 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 Jalen Leque, or something. The point: My Celtics are interested in him, but I think they're going to fall a few picks short. The Pistons will take him. I think the Pistons desperately need a point guard for the future. Uh, Reggie Jackson isn't cutting in at this point. Reggie Jackson's his average point guard. That- You know, he's already past his prime, so they need that point guard for the future, and I think he'd be a nice fit. Then, number 46, I think the Magic will take small forward Louis King. Then, number 47, I think the Kings will take forward and Myril Schofield. People don't think Schofield will fall this far, but I do. Well, maybe not this far, but a little water break. But the reason I do is... I just think he's always been underrated, and I do, don't think he'll fall much farther than 47. And, again, I wouldn't be shocked if he goes in the 30s or early 40s, but I do think he'll fall to 47 here. I, I, just, I just don't know. I think Grant Williams is kind of overshadows him maybe a little bit. I, I don't know. He's just underrated and not a bad pick here. I don't really know how he'll translate, though. Then at number 48, the Clippers will take uh, shooting guard Car- Charles Matthews. This kid can shoot. Um, then at 49, the Spurs will take small forward, Dividus Servitus. Then at number 50, the Pacers will take point guard, Jordan Bone. Their point guard, I'm not sure what their point guard situation is really looking like. You know, will Darren Collison come back? I don't predict that. I predicted Mike Conley will be traded to Utah. So I'm not sure if, you know, maybe Kemba Walker goes. You don't know what they're going to do with point guard. And there's no guarantee that they get Kemba Walker, re-sign Darren Collison. So just to make sure will take Jordan Bone just as a little insurance. Then at number 51, the Celtics will take guard Oni. I think he could really run your second unit pretty well. He's a good playmaker. They can play either guard position, but I prefer him at point guard. Then at number 52, I think the Hornets will take shooting guard Daquan Jeffries. Then at number 53, the Jazz will take forward Jalen Horde. I think this guy shows good size, good potential. I actually really like him for a late second-round pick. Then at number 54, the 76ers will take small forward Chris Wilkes. 55, the Knicks will take small forward Ignis Brazidicus. Don't know how to pronounce it. Sounds like a guy the Knicks would pick. Number 56, the Clippers take power forward, Mafindu Cabin Jelly. He won't fall this far at all. Cabin Jelly was at Florida State. He's a big guy. He's got good physical tools, good paint. Uh, well, he he's just size to succeed in the paint. Good rebounder. He's a good shooter, too. The only problem is he needs to improve his paint game. He's a good shooter, good rebounder, a solid defender, but he needs to improve his offensive paint game. I think is very underrated. He won't fall this far to 56. I think it will be a good pick for the Clippers, but overall he's not falling that far. Some people think he's going to go 22 to the Celtics. I'll tell you right now he's not going to go in the first round, but he'll probably go early at latest, like number 40, like, Early 40s at latest. He's not going this far. I just kind of forgot to throw him in there. Then at number 57, you guys will love this. Taco Fall gets picked at number 57. The big man out of UCF. I think the Pelicans will take him. Him and Zion. Imagine that hype. Taco Fall, you know, everyone loves this guy because he's just big. He's very smart, too. And I think he's worth taking a risk on. Definitely worth taking a risk on with one of these last picks in the second round. I mean... You know, the guy isn't still not sold on basketball. He did hire an agent, did declare for the draft, so obviously his interest, but he still, you know, a few years ago he said he'd rather be Steve Jobs than LeBron James. Then again, at that point, I'm not sure he was expected to get uh, picked in the NBA. I mean, I'm still sure, I'm not sure he's sold. You know, he's not very athletic. He moves well for a guy his size that didn't even move that well. I'm not really sure he'll end up being that great in the NBA, but he's worth taking a risk on with the late second. Then at number 58, I think the Warriors will take shooting guard Jordan Poole out of Michigan. Then at 59, the Raptors will take shoot guard Kyle Guy, great shooter out of Virginia. Then at 60 to wrap things up, the Kings will take Zach Norvell Jr. out of Gonzaga. I think he definitely deserves to get drafted and will get taken with that last pick. So that is my mock draft. That was long. This episode over an hour. Uh, I did not think it would take over an hour. I thought we might uh, hit around the 50-minute mark. But, you know, I Jacob Trauba. Jeez, that was a while ago. But one of my longest, if not my longest, episode of all time. So I, I hope you guys enjoyed. If you guys are still listening, if you guys listen to this whole thing, I give you a round of applause. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed. I mean, I'm not saying you, you suffered through this whole thing, but most of, you know, people don't listen for the whole hour, you know, through the second round, too. That's the most part I'm talking about, you know. Maybe, hopefully, a few of you guys would at least listen to the second round. I figured I'd throw it in there. It's not a big deal. It only took about ten minutes to the second round anyway. So, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed. Please, I mean, all I ask is you guys is just... You know, show the podcast to a few friends, maybe try to get into sports. Maybe I can help them, you know, give them some inside details. Maybe if they like sports, just tell them about it. I cover all the sports. I'm telling you, I cover NBA, NFL, MLB, NHL, uh, PGA, which is golf, uh, college football, and college hoops. I mean, I cover it all uh, around the clock. And I, I think I do a pretty good job. So, yeah, just share the podcast. Uh, I, I mean, this is what I do. I do a podcast every day for you guys. Make, uh, you know, 60-pick mock drafts take me an hour to talk about and four hours to make. So I, I hope you guys should just do that a little favor for me. And also, call on the Anchor mobile app, type in After the Buzzer Sports Talk, send in a voice message. If you can, get the Anchor mobile app. Also, go follow my Instagram, After the Buzzer Sports Talk, uh, all lowercase, no spaces. Again, that's after the Buster Sports Talk. All lowercase, no spaces. That's just to keep you guys updated. You know, that's that's just so that way you guys can stay updated on the episodes. So, yeah, thank you guys for listening. Uh, if you stuck through this far through the second round, I figured most people will probably stop uh, after the first round. But, you know, who knows? I know so I would be interested in the second round because that's just how I am. But most of the time, anyway. But, yeah, thank you guys for listening, and I hope to see you next time.